Hey, it's Fletcher. If you didn't get my message yet from just a couple of days ago, we have good news. The NPR podcast platform used to only allow us to keep the last 20 episodes of the show there on your podcast app on your phone. That's changed. Now we can have all 75 episodes, counting today's, right there on your phone. Now the problem is, if you didn't get my warning from the other day, You may have downloaded all 75 of those episodes if you have automatic downloads set there on your phone. If you don't, then that's great. You have access now to all 75 of those episodes. If you do, well, I guess we're taking up a little bit extra room on your phone, but now you can listen to all 75 episodes. So that's the only time it's going to happen with all of those episodes downloading at once. And look, I tried to warn you as soon as I found out. I know it didn't give you a lot of time. So apologies for that if you now have no room left on your phone, but hopefully you are excited, just as we are, that you can now have all of those episodes going back to our very first one years ago now, because here we are today, episode 75. Let's go! Nuclear. Now is it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say Library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Okay, this time we're going to do Hi Fletcher and Hi Kathy again. We're thinking today about doing a little talk Kathy uh, had the word flapdoodle, which I think is a good word. It's probably not used that much today, but the flapdoodle is everywhere. Basically, we're, we're going to talk about redundancies and unnecessary words used in speech and used in uh, memos and used in writing. And I think flapdoodle is a really good term because it's, it's, we shouldn't be doing these using these words, or should we? There's some debate sometimes with them. And we're going to start with one word, but Kathy, I think, was about to cut me off. She's champing I at am the bit. Indeed, I, I am indeed champing. I'm champing like crazy. <laughs> um, you remember, Fletcher, we did uh, Confusables recently. I think we did O's and P's. Yeah. And one of the words, yeah, one of the words was prerogative, right? And how so many people say prerogative, not prerogative. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> Ross has entered our personal hall of shame. We got a manuscript back from one of our publishers. And I saw the section Ross had written, and in it, he wrote the word prerogative. Ross. (laughs) Which, I have to admit, I I was very shamed. I actually know. You should be. I can give you the Latin derivation of the word, but I can't seem to write it in English. Frankly, I'm shocked. (laughs) I think this should mark the end of our relationship. (laughs) Although, Kathy, I could name a few times with you, too. We'll just cut you off right there now. Let's get back to the topic again, shall we? (laughs) Should I start with the first one? Yeah, but I want you first to start. I've never heard this word flapdoodle before where does that come from oh i love that word <laughs> isn't it fabulous i think steinbeck actually didn't he use it in um sweet thursday or in um cannery row uh, flapdoodle is, is is just nonsense it was also used as a noun for people you could say someone was a flapdoodle which i kind of like some people think it's flopdoodle which is even weirder but flapdoodle <laughs> actually i just looked it up right now the etymology of it it the earliest usage that they found was 1833, 
And the original definition was the stuff they feed fools on. And they're saying it probably comes from flap, a stroke or a blow, and doodle, a fool or a simpleton. So there we go. Wow, the stuff they feed fools on, flap doodle. Okay, and here's the first flap doodle redundancy of the bunch. The Weather Channel, we're going to use a quote from the authoritative Weather Channel. The rains have continued with 20 millimeters falling in the last two hours from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the morning on Saturday. Fletcher, can you determine the flap doodle in this sentence? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We've actually talked about this one uh, at least briefly once before, and it's that uh, 10 a.m. in the morning, because, of course, a.m. means in the morning, anti-meridium, before the middle of the day. Precisely. But that happens a lot, and, and, and I think I might have mentioned this the last time. I can't remember, but it's been a while anyway. I hear that way, 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 way more often when people are talking about the morning. Uh, it, yeah. I hardly ever hear... 11 p.m. at night. Mm -hmm. I can't figure out why. Do you think? I, I was actually trying to figure out. The, I, I've noticed the same thing. And I was trying to figure out why. Why? Because why Why is there a differentiation in your mind, obviously, that, that needs, wants you to stipulate morning after you've said a.m., but you figure everyone gets it when it's p.m.? Is it because you're used to 12 noon or something? No, that doesn't make any sense because you got midnight. Yeah. yeah but I'm going to throw something out here with this. Uh, you know, we're criticizing redundancy right now and flapdoodle and obviously 3 a.m. in the morning is uh, saying three before noon in the morning which is redundant but there is some use and I think we're gonna have to we're gonna deal with this throughout for some of these redundancies I mean Kathy and I are notoriously bad at time we always make errors in time Mm -hmm. And we, we have oh, like yeah. agreements on meetings. We waited for Fletcher's. One time we waited for Fletcher. <laughs> for two, we thought we were uh, doing it two hours later, I mean, two hours earlier than it was. We were, we were casting aspersions on your character <laughs> yeah. when you call in time. <laughs> and I think in that sense, I mean, I think that's some of the reason, at least in, in spoken, in, in speech, why we do have redundancies. And in some ways, 3 a.m. in the morning really hammers at home you're talking about boy 3 a.m in the morning that's early i don't know though ross i'm sorry i'm going to take exception to that i see what you're saying and and, and i agree that some of the ones that we're going to talk here that we think are a little pretentious or a little silly are 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 not necessarily used as intensifiers and they're allowable a.m in the morning i think is stupid i'm sorry i'm gonna be really blunt i think it i think it's dumb i mean saying eight in the morning or 8 a.m i i i can't i, I can't think you're i it. think you i think you're right Except when we're talking together about what we're going to meet Fletcher. Well, that's on the different. Radio. <laughs> that's because we are stupid and we need to do it. So that's a very different animal. I think this one, this uh, Ross, you're right that it can be used as an intensifier. I just think usually it's not. I mean, 3 a.m. No. in the morning, yeah, that sounds crazy. But but mm -hmm. like you just had with the, the Weather Channel, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. in the morning. I think you're completely correct. I don't think it should be used in normal conversation at all. I agree with you completely. But I do think that I think it did bring up the idea of intensifier. And I think it's absolutely essential to make sure this is correct. What do you think, Kathy? Wait a second. I'm cutting you off, Ross. I just look, I'm looking at this again, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the morning. Could it be that you're talking about this is going to happen Saturday morning? When on Saturday morning? Between 8 and 10 a.m.? Do you see what I'm saying? You're giving a lot of leeway for something that happens all the <laughs> yeah. time in, in lots of different contexts. I context. think it's a stretch. I think it's a stretch. I just, I'm trying to be kind. It's and let's go here. back. Let's go back to my segue. It's absolutely essential for Kathy to bring up the next. 
Okay, now, Fletcher, <laughs> this is going to be a stretch for you, I'm sure. This is from uh, a website called Zero Hedge about the stock market that said profits are an absolutely essential driver of the equity market. What is wrong with that sentence, Fletcher? Right, uh, because you don't really need to qualify essential in that case. I mean, it is essential. It's necessary. It has it has to be there. So the absolutely part um, doesn't actually make any difference with that word. No. Yeah, right, because a, def- a definition of essential is absolutely necessary. Right. So absolutely essential is absolutely, absolutely necessary, which is a little excessive. But. But. Right. <laughs> you have the butt. We all have that butt, I think. <laughs> no, I, I just think it does help sometimes when you really, really want to get that idea across to to have that intensifier with essential. Uh, it, yes. Right. It, exactly. It, we, we know what essential means. But when you say that's essential. Well, yeah. OK, fine. But but does that really drive that point home? I think, it I think we need it sometimes. Yeah. We had another example from the Homeland Security Committee chair who uh, Senator Gary Peters, who said that further investigations into January 6 are. And this is where he was quoted as saying, quote, absolutely essential, unquote. And I think that is a, a necessary intensifier. I think I would use the intensifier in speech. I'm not sure I'd use it in writing. I think I, I think the one danger with using intensifiers that are redundant is that you can be criticized in writing. And if I were anxious not to be criticized, I would not use it. Well, I just wanted to point out that we had chosen these. These are not ones that we just picked that only bothered us. These were ones we had done interviews for an article. And these are ones that were most often uh, mentioned by people saying this bothered them in writing actually not necessarily in speech not in speech yeah now here's one that does really bother me uh this is from the ask dr universe column in the (laughs) spokesman review in spokane let's ask dr universe let's hear what he has to say okay sunlight water and carbon dioxide combine together to give the trees resources to build its own food systems well that's actually wrong in another sense too but let's don't talk about that <laughs> uh as i guess as opposed to combining uh, apart i'm not exactly sure what we uh, combine uh, combine together i assume is the redundancy here that yes, we're talking about that yeah. is the redundancy combine means to mix or join two or more things you don't need the together because you're already doing it the thing that that though that yet again this was a quote this is not this was not dr universe writing this whoever dr universe is <laughs> but i want that name now i like to be dr universe but um it was a scientist at uh wsu said it so yet again i think we're falling into the difference between written english and uh spoken english because I mean, I, I, the guy's talking, the scientist is talking, goes, yeah, they combine together because you're thinking they come together, they combine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, in a weird way, combine together is almost, it's an idiom. It's almost one word, really, when we think of it, in a way. I mean, I think of combine together as just like a, it's like a, it's a single morphia, it's a single idea, even though technically it should be combined, I think. I mean, sometimes redundancy just sort of enters into the idiomatic. Yeah, and you said you said this was a, this was a spoken quote right yeah mm-hmm. uh, i think that's going to happen just while you're speaking off the cuff or whatever that sort of thing if he were to write it um hopefully there might be an editor who would catch it and just delete that extra word curiously okay what do you guys think about join together because now join together you hear much more often than combine together yeah that's and true theoretically it's the same problem join together you know you join you are mixing you know you're you're joining things so you're together 
but joined together doesn't doesn't grate on the ears the way combined together does to me. No, I just found it um, in the free dictionary. They're calling it an idiom, though, which is what I was saying with combined together the same way. But they have some scientific article talking about amoebas joining together to create a larger organism. It was also a, it was also a Who song. Why do you think join together sounds a little better to our ears than combine together? Do you think it's just a matter of hearing it more? Because that's something we do hear a lot. Mm -hmm. I think it's because combine is, has got a, a slightly more technical sound to it. You picture mixing, you know, mixing things, whereas joining is more like a coming together, like you said. I think that, so for me, I think there's a certain flexibility in the concept of joining that you don't have in combining. Maybe the word itself just lends to a more casual feel. Mm, join versus combine. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, there's a here's a statement someone asked a bank. I have two accounts that I would like to join together. Now, in that sense, like I have two accounts that I would like to join sounds really weird. Well, it could it? it could also mean I want to be put on those accounts as opposed to I want to combine those accounts. Precisely. Yeah. Very good, Fletcher. It's it's actually serving a valuable linguistic service right here. Mm -hmm. It's distinguishing between two different ideas. So in that sense, I think joined together in a way is is correct. Yeah. Grammatically, it's not even just a redundancy. It's absolutely essential. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, or at least it helps. Okay, actually, this is a good segue because we're talking about accounts. Aha. Uh -huh. This is from Yahoo Finance, and it's about our cars. Unless it's a collector's item, your car will start to depreciate in value the minute you drive it off the lot. Oh, okay, okay. Our, our, can you read it again? I think I know where we're headed. Unless it's a collector's item, your car will start to depreciate in value the minute you drive it off the lot. I guess depreciate in value, because maybe depreciation talks about value specifically? Yes. Okay. Correct. That one feels a little nitpicky to me. I think so, too, frankly. Because, I, 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 what, Ross, Ross is sighing. No, I'm not you. sighing. I'm looking open mouth at the two of you because. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I guess I, I worked at a bank as a kid, and I guess depreciate to me. I, it could be just me. Depreciate is so. We always have depreciation tables and this and that. Depreciate just screams to me. The value part screams as a redundancy to me. But that could be because I was working as a teller type thing, and you know I thought that. I don't know. Well. I gotta say though that in fairness to you, Ross, depreciate and value was in the top ten of when we interviewed managers of what bothered them. It definitely it was bothers one of the top me. ten. And and I've got to say I never worked in anything to do with finance even remotely. I mean, the best I could do was just use my city card and get money out of the machine, you know, back when I was younger. So to me, depreciate and value is like like yeah, I've heard it a million times, and that's like a, a idiom and fine. That's so funny because to me, it's it's a heart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my heart is pounding as I look at that I have a, right now. I have so. a question about that article specifically. It was Yahoo Finance, so I assume it was written for a mass audience. And, and right. Not, right. So, I mean, depreciate is not a difficult word, but it's not necessarily a word that everyone who's reading a Yahoo article is going to, to exactly know the meaning of. Right? Wow. So saying depreciate in value is maybe a little helpful. I think that you really hit something right there on the head. I think that's perfect. I think you're complete. There's a, a linguist, uh, David Crystal, describes registers of language or different levels of language and how we change how we speak depending on to whom we're speaking. And I think in that case, you did it perfectly. 
you're right. To a general audience, depreciate probably explains it better. Depreciate in value explains it more concisely in a very odd way. No, more concisely would be. I mean, no, no. I mean, your more, car I mean, will more, lose more, value. More, no, no. More, uh, more understandably, I should have said more clearly. Depreciate in value is clearer to an average reader who may not know depreciate as well. So I then, why not sense. say we'll start to lose value the minute you drive it off the lot? Then you don't. Then, then you're completely clear. A double wow for Kathy. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I think she's right. I think that's a better way to do it. I mean, we're we're digging a little too deep, probably into into one article on Yahoo Finance. <laughs> but using the word depreciate there does uh, sort of still make it feel like you're reading about the finance world, and also uh, probably is not something that they thought that hard about while they were writing the article. In fairness, yeah. Fairness. So do you think we should eliminate that completely? <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to partially, I guess. Um, I, <laughs> you want to read the sentence, or should we just go ahead and go on with eliminate completely? It's about cockroaches, so it just amused me for some reason. Absolutely read all it. State, all state pest removal website. <laughs> Due to their quick re reproduction rate, cock cockroaches often require more than the initial treatment to eliminate completely. And there's something about that that I think is kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I got to tell you right now, I didn't necessarily know um, before right now that eliminate would refer to erasing something entirely. Y you know, the only reason I'm even assuming that right now is because you've brought it up a as a redundancy. But I think it's completely fine to have eliminate completely in in that context yeah the other problem is i, I got another I, got, I pulled up just as we were speaking an article um we found quite a few of them with uh, dentists for some reason and there's an article here from the journal of the american dental association and i'm just curious how we would say this otherwise partial elimination of streptococcus mutons from selected tooth services after restoration of carious lesions and uh fluoride prophylaxis. The key thing is partial elimination of streptococcus, whatever, mutons. Like, how else would I say that? That immediately gives me a, a feeling that we're trying to, like, eradicate and get rid of streptococcus, and we almost did it, but not completely. Mm -hmm. So can mm -hmm. we think of another word for partial elimination to get rid of that that uh, that elimination being incorrect? I can't think of anything. I mean, I could maybe, like, removal, um, but I, that doesn't really get the idea across in the same no. way. Well, see, this is where I think, again, we go back to language, I mean, being being too picky and too persnickety, because, yeah, okay, eliminate means completely remove, but you can completely remove some of the streptococcus. I mean, so you've completely removed, like, well, Bob, yeah, that, Bill, and, and Jane at streptococcus. That's getting sophistic, though. I mean, <laughs> you're doing partial elimination. <laughs> well, no, but it's true. Okay, Put on I'll your stop. dentist hat and give me another <laughs> yeah. word for this. I'm going to the dentist. This week. <laughs> I'll bring it hat. up with him. <laughs> will you? I, I, I haven't asked you to do this on any of the words, but will you talk about the root of the word eliminate? Just because I really didn't know that it meant completely eradicate, completely eradicate. See, I don't even know if that's redundant. I have no idea. Well, as usual, guess where guess where eliminate comes from? The Latin. I, is it Latin? Yep. And it's um X means it doesn't really have X the X part which the X got rid of it, but it's X eliminate originally. And uh, uh, X is out of or off. And then limine is um, 
uh, I don't want to get tired, it's the ablative of uh, limon, the threshold. Mm -hmm. So it's out of, throw aside, throw off the flat threshold. So it used to mean to throw something out, to be ejected, right? Yeah. And so, so actually, if we're going to be etymological about this, expel waste from the body. So I guess technically, if we're going to be, if we're going to go backwards, I mean, nowadays it does mean remove completely, but um, in those days it meant throw outside, throw out of the threshold. Mm -hmm. Although if you throw, I mean, not to be like Kathy here, but if you throw a bucket <laughs> of waste out, you don't partially throw that bucket of waste out, do you? You throw the whole Unless thing out. Unless some drops that you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still rinsing the, rinsing the bucket after I throw it out. <laughs> Was the dentist involved in any way? <laughs> like a couple of these, though, I think completely eliminate. It may not be necessary, but it's definitely useful. Mm -hmm. And I think the dentists will all agree with us. Nine out of ten dentists will agree. So. <laughs> the next one is another one that I have an issue with. Frost, do you want to do it? Okay. Um, this is, uh, uh, was it PolitiFact? Okay. In the spring of 2020, amid the pandemic, Democrats asked DeSantis to cancel the refunds estimated at about 543 million oh okay uh, i guess boy that seems i, I that seems so nitpicky. no 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 i you said estimated at about 543 yes. million and i the estimation kind of tells you that it's around that amount you don't yes. really need estimated about yes okay See, but again, I, these just seem so because I, I had found another example, and they said um, it was for, it was in a, a, a thing about uh, camp for kids this summer, and they said that the size of the groups is estimated at about twenty campers, and each group will. Have, so that to me seems fine because you're saying you don't you don't you're 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 expressing the thought of a range to me. You're not you know you're not it's not estimated at twenty campers. Right. It's estimated at like. 15 to 25. But estimate refers to a range. You can't have an exact estimation. No. So there is the range built into the word. Yeah. I think people don't necessarily take that into account, though. If I, When I hear estimated at about $543 million, it's possible that the estimation was 543 2.5 million dollars mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so that was the actual estimation and now we're giving you a rounded version of that estimation mm -hmm. which it's is 543 rougher, it, yeah it, it's a little rougher than even the estimation was because when people hear estimation i think they i mean we know the word guesstimation right i think mm -hmm. yeah. i think they kind of think more along those lines it's like here's the thing we think it is yeah i don't have a problem with this i see what you guys are saying it's interesting though too because as we talk here, we're accepting some of these technically annoying redundancies. And we're actually in the process seeing how language is changing. Like estimated about maybe in 100 years or 50 years will not be on the top 10 managers list of annoying phrases and words in that sense. Mm -hmm. And I mean, again, it's probably good to reiterate that these are uh, that what you're bringing up here are not it's not stuff you hunted for to make the most nitpicky examples possible. You found these on, on lists of most annoying uh, phrases to to executives or managers mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and so people are bothered by these a lot and for that matter here we have one where we both kath and i both are, are interested in um the first six payments half uh, totaling half the credit will arrive monthly targeting the same day of the month though you may not receive the payment on the exact same day every month <laughs> uh that's interesting um i i think 
I think probably they should have used the word date in there somewhere, but I still no. think that's uh, a, uh, a really helpful clarification. No, uh, you may not receive the payment on the exact same day every month. You're saying you, you don't mind exact same. Oh, 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 good. See, I didn't even notice it. There we go. I, I, thought, wow. I thought we were off on something else. Exact same. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Um, I, I don't because I, I think it's it's more of a clarification that it won't be. Uh, if we're talking about dates, then, you know, maybe it won't be the 28th because the 28th is a Sunday. It'll be the 29th. Mm -hmm. And when you say uh. when you say exact same I think that I think that focuses people's brains maybe to to know that we're talking about that number, the twenty eight. See now, this is Ross and I actually had a little debate about this because um, I I'm ba I keep going back and forth on it. Ross really doesn't like it because um, you know something's the same. There's no difference. You 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 can say nearly the same, but exact same is same. I agree with you though, Fletcher. I think sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. This is the problem that 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 you're trying again. We go back to intensifying. You're making it. This is this is truly, literally, exactly the same. These two things are 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 un, un unimpeachably the same. Whereas when you just say same, it doesn't have the same potency. Actually, I'm gonna withdraw my objection to this. <laughs> yeah. I, no, down below, I think Kathy added a uh, Consumer Reports article using it, I'm just going to explain something that just hit me here. It says the types of sugar found naturally in fruit are processed by your body in the exact same ways as the white mound you spoon into your morning coffee. Consumer Reports here is saying that fructose, that sugar in fruit, is processed in the body. I read this exact same way and I thought, that's not true. Fruit in the body is, I'm not going to get technical here, but Fructose is split uh, in the body into glucose and whatever. I don't know. It's actually not done the exact same way. And something I thought when I saw exact same way, I suddenly thought, no, it's not exact. They're wrong. So what I'm saying here is that the exact here. Basically, <laughs> I'll talk to my dentist about this. <laughs> yes. You can ask him. He probably knows more about it. <laughs> right. But it alerted me to the fact that I think they're wrong. If they had said the same ways, I wouldn't have seen it the same way. So uh -huh. I, I think you guys are right. Yeah, like it really focused your attention to that phrase. As yeah, right. like if you would have just said same, you you might have maybe you might have even thought to yourself, well, it's not exactly the same. Yeah, but exactly. but, but you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have said no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I I think it's good. I think Kathy cleverly put this here to to again show that uh, <laughs> once again our brother is wrong, right? <laughs> it's your prerogative <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to give you very unfavorable approval of that statement <laughs> and moving quite right along we're into that here and you you put this one up kath i, I could barely read it yeah well i'm it? not gonna read the whole thing okay. it was, it's yeah. a press release pr newswire about in accordance with paragraph four of article 157 of law number 6404 1976 etc but we're going to miss that part and just slip ahead. And they, they're referring to the favorable approval of the Federal Reserve Board. Yeah, I think this is language that comes out of polling because we talk about approval rating. And if it uh, if it leans above 50 percent, then it's favorable. And if it's below 50 percent, then it's unfavorable. And so uh, I think um, I understand exactly why that language is there. Aha. Uh -huh. 
That's interesting. Okay, because that makes sense. Because we had seen, and I'm going to try to find, like, oh, here, because I said a purchase offer won favorable approval. But so if it's it's just approved, though, in this case, um, this is where I'm, okay, I'm asking you, Fletcher, to explain this to me, honestly. Yes. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I think it's maybe a lack of attention to when we might need that phrase favorable approval. But I think favorable approval, and this is a wild guess, but I think it probably comes out of of, of something like polling, um, just that phrase itself. That is interesting. It hadn't occurred to me. But I don't know. I don't, winning favorable approval is also, I mean, maybe that's some kind of jargony term. I You hear that a lot, winning favorable approval having something approved after a process through a process I don't but the th- thing I, is it's if it's approved it has to be favorable right but again is is this a i don't think any of us are necessarily steeped enough in that world to know although we might be able to dig and find it out i'm wondering if that okay, the phrase... second example i have is from is just from a newspaper article and it just said before that in 2017 a purchase offer from up development won favor approval by town members and school board officials in that case it's approval that case, I don't think favorable is. Yeah, at all. I think I think you're right. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting comment. Though I'm going to look up. We should look up for the next time the uh, political ramifications of approval ratings, favorable and unfavorable. I think that's interesting. That's very interesting. And then we'll get a general consensus of opinion. Also, <laughs> the, yeah, general consent. Great. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But I also <laughs> want to say there are when you look at a lot of say online uh, surveys you'll have, how would you rate your approval? And the top answer will be very favorable and the bottom answer will be very unfavorable. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. if everybody ranks that at the very bottom, then it's going to be very unfavorable approval, which which on its face seems to be nonsense, but it answers the question that the survey put forward. It completely does. I think Fletcher is is correct on that. I think so too. And I think we have reached a general consensus. (laughs) (laughs) So I suppose the consensus then uh, is something that uh, literally everybody. No, it can't be that literally everybody agrees on, but but that the the general populace agrees on. Uh, What are we looking at exactly? A consensus is a generally held opinion. Generally held opinion. Good. Okay. That's the definition. So a general consensus of opinion is a generally generally held opinion. Technically, it should just be consensus all the time. With no general consensus and no opinion either, no. really, because a consensus is a generally held opinion. Yes. So, but but general consensus and consensus of opinion are so widely used that they're 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 almost standard English now. Those are, but general but adding the extra either the the header or the the the, the head or the tail on it goes a little too far. Do you think have adding these words has created? a distinction that didn't exist before because i'm thinking about saying the general consensus is that chocolate is the best ice cream as opposed to the consensus is that chocolate is the best ice cream the the first one general consensus sounds uh like most people agree with that the the second one Mm -hmm. consensus makes it sound to me like basically everybody agrees with that oh really yeah I, i have it the opposite way that's interesting huh okay when you said, say, you said, to me, the consensus is that chocolate ice cream is the best, which is a correct consensus, incidentally, um, is is less forceful. The general consensus to me is more forceful. Interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. 
to me. I mean, that's personal. I don't. I don't know. I. I I'm, I'm. You don't have a feel for it either. Well, we're, we're kind of split uh, straight down the middle on that. Then. Yeah, I, I. I'm just trying to consensus. Consensus. The, the only problem I have is I think I hear general consensus so often that consensus by itself sounds sort of like nude. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it kind of? I was just when you, when Ross just said you know the consensus is that it sounds like wait what do you mean where's the general you know yeah I'm not in the final analysis of what we've talked about <laughs> do we think in the final analysis is a redundancy or not <laughs> uh, I if it is I never would have taken it that way because analysis to me is an ongoing process whether or not that's literally what the word means. And so final analysis means, okay, we've wrapped it all up. I agree. I think there's a time and place for it. I just tend to think it sounds sort of pompous. I would avoid it personally just because in the final analysis sounds like you're being, unless you are a scientist or something and saying something. But I think that in regular, in regular conversation or whatever, I'd rather say finally. Oh, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, was going, I, was, I was thinking about it from the other direction if you're talking about the analysis. But, yeah, if in, in regular conversation, I'm not really going to use the word analysis very often. No. no. <laughs> Final or otherwise. We have a number of other words, but I think those we're going to have to postpone until later. <laughs> <laughs> you're so clever, Ross. <laughs> This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Seattle, Washington. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us. They're how we get more people to find us. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.